You're listening to the Music Marketing Manifesto podcast, where we discuss advanced strategies, tactics, and tips for actually selling your music. If you'd like to learn more music marketing strategies, then go to musicmarketingmanifesto.com. That's musicmarketingmanifesto.com, and sign up for your free copy of the Music Marketing Blueprint. All right, this is John Ojaka. This is Steve Rogers. And today we're going to be talking to musician and fellow Insider Circle member Ace Connell about some early success that he's had with the Music Marketing Manifesto method and direct-to-fan marketing in general. If you have any questions that you'd like us to address on future episodes of the Music Marketing Manifesto podcast, then please call 1-800-296-1406. That's 1-800-296-1406. Just leave a message after the tone and we'll include it on an upcoming show. All right, before we jump into that interview, with, with Ace, which I think you guys are really going to enjoy. There is, um, uh, it, it's a really uh, inspirational call that we did with him. Um, he sent in an email uh, not too long ago talking about how he had just bought Music Marketing Manifesto and joined the Insider Circle and started implementing some of the strategies and had uh, some some real early successes. I think he got his uh, mailing list from zero to 500 in just uh, a couple of days, and it was really inspiring, and I wanted to share that with you guys. It's actually an excerpt from one of our uh, Insider Circle coaching calls, and I thought uh, this would make a great little interview to share with you folks on uh, on the uh, podcast. So we're going to be doing that in a sec, but before we do that, just kind of want to... Uh, you know, chit-chat a little bit with Steve about things taking place in the music industry. One of those things is Twitter Music. There's been uh, a lot of talk in the last month or so about Twitter Music. It's a new platform uh, offered by Twitter, uh, which allows you to essentially explore and share music. And it, uh, it seems to primarily be designed around trending and aiding music and going viral and uh, sharing music that is naturally already um, gone viral to some extent and helping it uh, become even more popular. Uh, but there are still a lot of questions out there. You know, is this just another social network that, uh, or another social network creating a music sharing platform that we really don't need to care about? Or is this something that's going to be really relevant and actually help us as the, the music consumer? And more importantly, for those listening, is this something that can help us as independent musicians? So... Uh, neither one of us pretend to really be uh, experts on the subject. As as we say, it is an emerging platform, but certainly it's something that we've looked into and we thought we'd just kind of uh, bounce that around for a little bit because I know there are a lot of questions coming in about Twitter music. I mean, what are your thoughts? What are your first impressions, Steve, after, after looking into it? Well, I, I haven't really had a chance to look at it extensively, but one of the things that I thought was particularly interesting was the fact that um, – you you know you can look into to different artists that artists that you're following are listening to. So in other words, you know if they've got their music up there and there's somebody that you really admire as an artist and you're following them on Twitter, you can look through and see some of the artists they're following and uh, you know kind of discover new music that way. Which I think on the on the reverse end of that is a really cool way. You know it's always nice when you can get somebody who's got a bit of a, a higher profile to to push your stuff. And what's really cool is if they're legitimately listening to your stuff, then their entire following audience has a chance to hear you too. And I think that's really exciting for folks. Sure, sure. The big question, obviously, you know, that uh, at least comes to my mind, and it's certainly the one we're getting in the inbox there, uh, is just how can a musician use Twitter music to actually promote their music? And again, I, I personally haven't do really dove into it yet and figured out if there are many opportunities for independent artists. Certainly when you look at what's trending and what's popular, it appears at, at least at a glance to be a uh, very mainstream, very successful artist. But um, as far as I can tell, and again, uh, I haven't really dove into the algorithm to figure out what potential there is uh, for, for someone to actually affect those rankings, but it, it does appear to be largely just, um, as one might assume, a popularity-based um, charting system. In other words, if people are talking about you, if people are playing your music, if people are sharing your music and tweeting about it, then uh, presumably one uh, will rise in that ranking. And once you do, um, and as that user base widens, then it only stands to reason that, let's say you uh, find yourself with a top 10 uh, ranking and you are actually trending on Twitter, then uh, many, many more people will 
suddenly discover you because you'll be in that that um, top tier of artists and things could only you know potentially snowball from there so one thing that at least comes to my mind and it'd certainly be worth trying is if you're interested in seeing what you can get out of twitter music then uh if you've got a few thousand people on your mailing list uh it would be worth sending out a blast uh one month when you got really maybe perhaps nothing else uh, to promote or nothing else significant going on send out a blast to your list and try and get a whole bunch of people you know encourage them ask them to uh, click the little tweet button there on Twitter and see if you can't get uh, 500 a thousand people in a short span of time tweeting about your music uh, again not knowing the nuances of their particular algorithm yet uh, I, I can't say for certain what this might do but if if it stands to reason and it works in a similar way to most writing algorithms out there that should really give you a solid boost now what's it going to take to go up against artists like David Bowie and Justin Bieber and everybody in between uh, it's hard to say however a lot of activity in a short period of time might just be enough to uh, take you over the top and get you that position at least for a short period of time which then of course uh, could potentially snowball in your favor so I don't know uh, if I if I'm giving my honest first impression you know I, I suppose the reason I haven't really dove into Twitter music is that it does to a certain extent just feel like yet another um, platform that's out there where uh, people suggest that this is really something that's going to uh, help the consumer or the, the company providing it suggests this is really going to help the consumer but it appears to or often these platforms appear to be little more than uh, a company profiting off of the content that you're ultimately creating. You know, the, this platform, I don't see it providing anything that hashtags and Twitter search doesn't already sort of offer, uh, but now Twitter can make some money off of your music. So I don't know. I, I doesn't, it doesn't make me feel the need to really dive in and spend a ton of time uh for me it, it's sort of like um you know another itunes like itunes as a search engine unless you're doing cover songs you know it doesn't really offer a lot of new business for an independent artist who's putting their music out on on the platform uh and i i, I fear that that the the same might be the case with twitter although there is a general viral nature to activity on twitter and so if a platform was going to um offer something new it could be twitter so it's definitely something to watch um i like twitter as a as a social platform i probably like it more than facebook um but i don't know if twitter music is really going to offer all that much you know sort of reminds me of google play which i, I think is still out there and I, I spent that first day playing around on google play and haven't touched it since and i'd be curious to know if twitter music uh can pull off much more than that uh by all means if anybody listening to this has had some experience with twitter music if you're liking the platform either as a listener or you're seeing new uh, fans coming in as a result of twitter music then definitely give us a call and let us know i'd like to hear about it uh, did you have any other sort of thoughts on on twitter music that you wanted to to share there steve yeah i, I kind of feel the same way you do with regards to just being a platform that has a player uh and i say that only because you know i'm not a big user of any of them and it's the age-old argument that i have with my bandmates probably once a week uh, so is there? They're always asking me. You know, is there a place where people can just go listen to our music? Uh, and of course, you know, uh, the other guy, my band, has stuff set up on Reverb Nation and some of those sites. And of course, they can go listen. And I keep trying to drive the point home to them, like, well, you know, wouldn't we rather have them get list and download some of our stuff so we can follow up? And you know, we kind of butt heads on that stuff every now and again. But as far as Twitter music, I'd like to look into it more. I think that there's some opportunity uh, just from what you talked about about the viral nature of Twitter itself. Uh, and being able to, you know, at least rely on, on one, if you're going to look at these platforms, at least look at one versus the others and figure out which one is going to give you the most traction. Gotcha, gotcha. Good look. I'm sorry? Oh, I said it's worth a look. Cool, cool. Uh, I'm losing you a little bit here and there, so my apologies, folks, for the audio um, drops. They're just little second blurbs, but such is the nature uh, with these these recordings conducted over the Internet. Steve and I are actually across the world from one another right now, so um, we often have these little blips. Um, but uh, before diving into that interview, there was one more thing I kind of wanted to talk about because it's been on my mind a lot lately, and that's just Kickstarter. Now, I know this is not a new topic. Kickstarter has been dominating you know, the entertainment news cycles for a while. Uh, the last few months have been no exception. I know um, – what was it, Veronica Mars, the television show that I think was, if I remember right, it was canceled, and they went uh, and generated, 
did they hit the four million mark? I think they were asking for two million, and I believe they hit four. I'm actually not 100% sure on what they ultimately did, although they far surpassed their uh, goals uh, to to generate funds to make a movie uh, so that they could create more content for the fans. And that was the first time that I had seen something come from the sort of mainstream world, at least on that scale of a major network television show, uh, and, and go into the Kickstarter realm. And it, it kind of um, made a lot of light bulbs go off in my head. And just in general, my experience with Kickstarter has really been changing. There was another one recently with, what's his name, Zach Graff. I think he generated, uh, was it $2 million, somewhere in that vicinity, to to fund a, a film that he wanted to make. Um, and obviously most people listening to this have probably heard about Amanda Palmer's story, which is some months ago where she generated over, uh, I think it was $1.1 million, setting the record for the most money ever generated for a music project. Um, and actually that's been an interesting story to follow because she's caught a whole bunch of flack uh, for that. Um, not so much for generating the money, although there w- were some, um, I suppose, uh, critics there as well saying you know, that she didn't need that much money and all these kinds of things, which I personally disagree with. Um, I think she was pretty clear and transparent about uh, what that, that money was for. Um, but after the fact, she went on tour and invited musicians to get up on stage with her uh, and was not offering pay for that. It was more of a spontaneous event, but got a lot of criticism, a lot, a lot of criticism, thousands of angry comments on her on her blog, and she's spoken about it quite a bit, uh, where people were saying, you just made a million dollars, and now you're asking people to play for free. I don't think that that is actually how it went down, and I think um, you know it was just sort of a casual request that in light of that $1 million that, in my personal opinion, maybe some people were a little jealous about, uh, she, nevertheless, that, that juxtaposition created a lot of conflict, and it's been, again, a real interesting story to follow but what this has done at least for me has it's really it's really changed my perspective on what kickstarter actually is i think part of the problem is that kickstarter emerged as sort of a charity platform it was something and it still is to a large extent it was people who really were i don't want to use the word desperate but they had no other options and so they were turning to friends and family to generate money uh, and and fans and my, when i first started seeing these uh, emails go out from artists asking for money, you know, donations to help fund their album. Uh, I really didn't like it. I, I was really turned off by it. I thought it was begging. And, you know, my first reaction was to go pay for your album yourself. I had to do it. You do it. Um, and I think a lot of people um, still wrestle with that impression. However, how I personally am seeing Kickstarter, and I think this is changing because we're seeing more and more products and some really innovative products using Kickstarter as a platform. Uh, I, I now see this as a way for us as consumers to really turn the table on the big corporate structure that we've got going on out there. What it is, is it's a, it's a, opportunity for us as consumers to deal directly with either manufacturers or in the case of music with artists to get the art or the products that we ultimately want. And it takes the power away from these traditional distribution channels that have been so dominated by major corporations. Taking the television show, you know, Veronica Mars, um, using that as an example, here was something that it had millions of fans, but it didn't have millions enough fans. And so it's a very viable um, product, a very, you know, that, that, that was connecting with an audience, but, you know, and I don't know how many millions of people it takes to keep a show alive, but um, making up some numbers here, you know, maybe it only had 4 million viewers and it needed six in order to justify its spot in the lineup. But that didn't mean that it wasn't good art. And I, I'm not, a, I've never even watched the show. I couldn't comment on whether it is or it isn't, but it, it certainly is valid art to those millions of fans that are out there. And um, by going the Kickstarter route, there is now life given to this project that the big corporate structure would say uh, would say uh, wasn't warranted. And the same goes for music. I mean, how many of us have heard of fantastic bands that have sold, you know, in their time, millions of copies of albums that ultimately get dropped because, you know, their second or third record maybe only sells a few hundred thousand and the label can no longer justify spending the money on it uh, and tying up their promotion staff on, a, on an artist that seems to have reached its peak and they get dropped. And very often they break up and we don't ever hear from these artists that are still valid, that do have millions of fans still out there, or certainly hundreds of thousands, or or you know thousands for that matter. Any number uh, of fans makes that art valid. And with a platform like Kickstarter, again, we bypass all those rules and all those very strict standards um, that that sort of clog and and prohibit other people from accessing um, these traditional distribution channels, and they give opportunity to to anyone who can 
garnish some level of attention. You know, whether you have a thousand true fans or a hundred thousand true fans, um, this is just an opportunity to bypass the middlemen and create art, create products for the people that actually want them. And that's now how I'm seeing it. This is not um, charity, uh, Kickstarter and Indiegogo and all these these crowdsourcing uh, platforms. They're not charity. They are uh, wholesale entertainment purchasing opportunities. Um, and I think that we're going to see that understanding and that mindset shift, uh, mindset shift continue. And, um, you know, it's sort of a pay in advance to prove whether or not the concept or the art, uh, as it may be, uh, is is actually valid in terms of um, or 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 uh, desired by a significant enough number of people, and it's true supply and demand. And I really like it, and I'm really excited to explore it more. I haven't personally ever run a Kickstarter campaign. Again, I've been shy to do it because of how I viewed it. But now, again, it's it's literally just going out to your base of of uh, your audience and saying, "Hey, I've got some stuff to say or some stuff to create. I'd like to create it for you. Um, just let me know if." you want me to by ordering in advance and i really i really like that in fact it may almost take a new you know the invention of a slightly different platform so that we can shake the kickstarter um, mindset that the charity mindset that so many of us have associated with it and really really um, change that shift once and for all to more of a sort of um entertainment wholesale outlet uh, where where we're um, encouraging true supply and demand yeah, I think Kickstarter is like you said. It's moved beyond the charity thing because initially about it, I felt the same way you did, where it's it's almost like a turn off. You kind of feel like, you know, when someone's out there asking for help to do a project, you do kind of get that sense like, hey, you know what? I, I did put in the work and the time and raise the money the hard way to do it myself before, and why don't you? What I've kind of seen it turn into, uh, and it's not just musicians and filmmakers. I've seen this with software designers are getting their games made, and it's exactly what you said. It's you know if you've got uh, a group of people that you can at least pitch this idea to, it's almost like you're looking for investors, except that these people aren't looking for a return. They're just kind of pre-ordering something awesome that they already know that they want. And, uh, you know, why not Why not contribute to help make that happen? If you want it that bad, you want to see a certain project done, you're going to go ahead and get behind it. And I think that's really great for independent artists. Yeah, just to make like a hypothetical example, let's take something like The Simpsons. I'm a big fan of The Simpsons. And if they, you know, I know they've they're constantly sort of talking about whether or not, uh, you know, we're seeing the last season of The Simpsons and the show's going to end. Um, if they went out to an audience and said, hey, uh, we're considering canceling the show. We just want to know if you want us to make another season for you. You've got to order in advance. And if we get enough customers, we'll make that season. I'd do it in a second because I love the show and I want that content. And that's sort of the exciting uh, potential for uh, – it's not even potential. It's how – platforms like Kickstarter are being used but again I think there's still there's still a lot of um, confusion and and different viewpoints about what is actually happening when someone sets up a, sets up a Kickstarter campaign many people still feel that like there is a charity component and I, I really think that this needs to be viewed more as an order in advance um, kind of a platform and I, I think uh, again I, I I love capitalism <laughs> as you know and um, I, I love libertarian ideas and true sort of supply and demand and I never saw it uh, as being inherent to the Kickstarter model and I suddenly do and it's really opened up um, you know it's really set off a lot of light bulbs in my own mind as to how this platform can be used not only for myself but um, just uh, people in general and I think it's really exciting yeah it's great and it's also nice to see when when someone who's got a campaign running and they really really got their stuff together where they can honestly sit there and explain to people, hey, listen, you know, if you come in at this certain level of donation, you're going to get this, this, and that. But hey, if we meet our goal and we surpass our goal, here's what we're planning to do instead. And I think that's really cool. You know, you get all these different people that have their campaigns and they've got these certain stretch goal ideas where they want to do something extra cool on top of just, you know, putting out an album or giving you a nice physical package um, for the album where they can do all these other cool things, you know, video documentaries of how the album was made, all this other stuff that could have some production value to it because they're getting the funding and they've got enough people that say that they want it. I mean, that's really awesome. 
Yeah, and how many artists... You couldn't have done that years ago. Sure, sure. And how many artists have complained that, you know, the label got in the way and, you know, influenced their sound, made them do something that they didn't want to do, watered down the art with this kind of direct-to-fan um, funding, that's not really a factor. The artists, get they communicate directly with their fans um, and in and they're getting funded directly by the people who appreciate what they do. So, uh, again, instead of some corporate clown that may or may not know what the people actually want the, the fans are speaking for themselves the buyers are speaking for themselves and getting exactly what they actually want and if they don't want it it doesn't get funded and it doesn't happen and some real interesting people have been coming out of the works playing with kickstarter bjork actually uh came uh, she launched the kickstarter campaign and interestingly canceled it uh within uh was it i don't know if it was 24 hours or shortly thereafter it launched and it was not um doing very well to be honest but it was a very kind of confused it wasn't for an album um, I, I, I wasn't. I think it was a weird, like educational app or piece of software or something like that. Honestly, I, I watched the whole presentation, and now a few weeks later, I, I can't even remember what it was. And I think that was part of the problem. It was very confused. But she, um, and this is, if I remember right, a little bit before the Veronica Mars campaign and the Zach Graff campaign, and she caught a lot of a lot of crap for it because people came out and said, you know, you're rich. Why do you need us to donate money to it? And I think you know there has that was maybe. Well, it's certainly not going to be the end of that kind of criticism, but it was shortly after Amanda Palmer had her success, and there was really this fervor in the air of people criticizing um, artists that were using Kickstarter for if they if they already had financing, um, they felt that you know why do you need charity? Why do you need us to support something you've already got the money? And I just really don't see it uh, as being relevant to that you know the fact of whether or not a person personally has money or not this is testing the market and asking your fans do you want me to create this product for you or this art for you and if they do they'll fund it and they'll get it and they'll get it in most likely a much cooler way that's kind of the idea is that you give people an opportunity to consume or purchase in a way that they wouldn't get if they were going retail um, you know a better price or maybe with some extras added on um, and it's just it, it really just changes the the purchasing and financing model and again um, does away or potentially does away with that sort of corporate middleman and I just really like it. Um, uh, I'm, I'm really excited to see how it continues to evolve. Well, you know, and, and kind of on your point there about the criticism that people get, and I've, I've seen this firsthand where some of the same folks that are criticizing somebody like an, an Amanda Palmer for doing that are going out uh, and doing their own Kickstarter campaign, but at the same time, when it's not going as well as they think it should go, they're coming right back onto Facebook and bashing their fans for it. And to <laughs> me, that's that's worse than asking for a donation. You know what I mean? Sure. It's, sure. Um, it's just not it's not a, a cool thing to do at all. You know, you if if people wanted to get behind you and support you, they'd be out there, um, you know, supporting your campaign. And if they're not, it probably says more about you and what you're doing than than anything else. Yeah, just to burst any lingering bubbles about Kickstarter. Kickstarter's not some, you know, gigantic menu where the the population at large is just browsing for an interesting artist to donate money to. If you don't have a tribe, if you don't have a following, uh, and you put out a Kickstarter campaign, your close friends and family might donate a little bit, but you're never going to see any kind of amazing results. Artists like Amanda Palmer, who generated a million dollars, she had tens of thousands of fans. She had a huge Twitter following and a huge mailing list following from what I understand. And they were a very dedicated and passionate group of fans. And that is what, um, that is where this funding is coming from. And all of these campaigns, it still takes work. It's not a free lunch. It's not, Hey, I'm just asking for charity. And suddenly you're going to see a million dollars pour in. You're going to, you're going to have a, uh, project that goes unfunded if you do it that way. And so, uh, all of this stuff, regardless of how you go about it, it, it's still basically a sales platform. It's just a sales in advance platform. You know, you're still going to have to do all of those same things, create a compelling pitch. Um, and one of the reasons I think Kickstarter works so well is because it's sort of got scarcity and time sensitivity built into it. These campaigns do end. There are, in many instances, a limited number of packages, um, you know, because obviously these usually one runs a number of packages running anywhere from a dollar to many thousands of dollars and the more you spend the more you get and very often in those higher end packages they are limited let's say it's a house concert you obviously can't sell 2,000 house concerts it'd be impossible for somebody to pull it off so the, the sheer fact that 
this platform has some time sensitivity and usually scarcity built into it, I think is, again, a part of why it works. And it's just another sales platform, but it allows you to sort of um, go out to your base and, uh, again, um, test the market and find out if there really is and for what you're ultimately offering. Um, and that's a much... Uh, a much better way to go than spending, you know, ten or twenty thousand dollars on an album and all this manufacturing, only to find out that no one other than your mom and um, you know a couple of close friends are actually going to go out and buy the album. Um, but enough about Kickstarter. I think uh, this is probably a good time to jump into this interview we did. Again, this interview, what you're going to be hearing, it's an excerpt from a Insider Circle coaching call. The Insider Circle is a mastermind community that I run. Musicians who are dedicated to learning the art of direct fan marketing. And each month I release new training modules and we have a forum uh, where we chat on a pretty much daily basis. And there are somewhat monthly, you know, sometimes there are... Um, we don't run one every single month, but uh, for, for the most part, monthly coaching calls uh, in which uh, users call in and we chat. And one of those people who called in uh, was Ace Connell. Ace is someone who, again, I had said earlier, he sent me an email. He had been using, uh, he had bought my course, uh, Music Marketing Manifesto, and became a member of the Insider Circle and was uh, started implementing this stuff. And I was just really impressed because he took very swift action and very effective action. He didn't get bogged down by uh, what I see so many artists get bogged down by, you know, trying to make every last little thing perfect, stressing all the technical things. He just followed the steps, threw up his website, started driving traffic, and I think it was in two or three days he got himself 500 new subscribers and was getting, he said he was literally up all night uh, answering emails and comments uh, being left on Facebook and uh, was gearing up for a record release at the time of our conversation. Um, and so I thought that I'd share it with you guys because, you know, I, uh, this stuff is just marketing strategy. I don't have any magic spells that I can teach you how to put on your audience. Ultimately, all I can give you is sound business strategy. And uh, let's face it, it's not going to work every single time. It's like uh, a Wolfgang Puck could teach you how to start a, a, a pizza restaurant and he could teach hundred people the same exact strategy a um, hundred times over and not every single one would, a person would have success and it's just the way the world sort of works everyone's got their different talents different strengths we all make different music and we all find um, that we have uh, different levels of ability when it comes to communicating with our fans and if you can't communicate in a way that connects or maybe you don't make music that connects then you're going to have a harder time than someone else who does um, and so it sort of breaks my heart when I occasionally hear that people are having trouble and it does happen for, to be certain um, but just as often in fact a lot more often I get these really touching emails or calls from people who are having a lot of success with the stuff and Ace was one of those people and um, I wanted to to share it with you folks because it was great to hear and it shows you kind of what's possible and he talks a lot about um, the you know just the way it felt to go through that experience. And, and I remember when I first started having success with this stuff and the way it felt to go from um, a career that had, for all intents and purposes, be, been bogged down in the mud uh, to suddenly seeing my inbox light up again and um, see my fan base start to grow. So uh, I'm going to hit the play button here and let you in on this conversation uh, already in progress, and then I'll join you on the other end. So here goes. Why don't you tell folks a little bit about yourself and your music and, you know, how they can check out your your website and everything before we get started? Um, well, basically, I'm a guitar player, and the last few years I've been um, not in and out of bands, but I've been in, in bands for, for long periods of time. I've been, um, the bands have been good. Uh, I got fed up relying on, on people because obviously people let you down. And I just wanted to take my career to like um, to uh, basically since being fourteen, I've I've wanted to create an instrumental rock record. So I thought that it was um, well. Basically, I'm on an ultimatum with my part, which is um, this is the last chance I'm allowed to sort of try with the whole my my music kind of thing. So um, so I basically I've just gone and I've started making an album and uh, I thought I'm, I'm really going to like hone in on the marketing uh, just just because, well, like I say, it's my last chance where I get my hand slapped. And then um, so I found Music uh, Marketing Manifesto and I've just taken it from there. 
Great. And um, just so folks can check it out, we're talking, what's your uh, current website or one that you'd like to share? Uh, my name is ace.com. My name is ace.com. Great. Um, so let's see. Um, you sent me an email the other day. I thought it was great. Because I love hearing um, just specific numbers, you know, like, hey, I'm doing this, I'm getting 10%, or hey, I'm doing this, and I'm you know, seeing this specific result. And I, I love how quickly you were taking action. You'd be shocked how many people buy info products on all this stuff and you know, never take action, let, let alone even finish the course. So it was awesome to see. And um, I, you wrote me an email. You were asking some advice on the squeeze page. And if I remember right, I was a little hesitant. I kind of wasn't so sure how well it would do um, based on the headline. I thought it looked really good and everything. And I thought the headline was fine. I just thought maybe it was, um, you know, needed a little more of the experience added into it. But then you wrote back saying that it actually was doing really well well, which was awesome. And, and you were seeing your list grow rapidly, um, which I loved hearing. And so why don't you just kind of tell folks what happened and where you started and what's been going on? Well, basically, I paid for the course uh, last Friday. I've not even had it a week yet. And um, I I did the uh, manifesto course in two days, I think it took me to do. Um, and as I was going along, I was just doing page and page and notes. And uh, after that, after I finished that, I went through the uh, insider circle and was just picking bits and bobs. And I just thought, I'm just going to try the, the Facebook uh, ads. Just, I mean, I've not got like a lot of money or anything like that, but I just thought um, it, it just seemed the, the, the quickest way to build a list because I have one person on, on my mail list, and that was me. <laughs> So um, so I, I just wanted to build as quick as possible. And basically, at the moment, I've got one song recorded. So I'm I'm I've just about finished writing the album now. I'm going to the studio next month to do it. But um, but yeah, I, I just had one song. So I was, I was like worried about you no know, product to sell and and just having one song and people wanting more. So I um I, I took a Facebook ad up and. I, I didn't go, well, I kind of blended the two approaches, the, the one in the uh, music marketing my first on the inside of circle. And with the comparing to an artist, but I linked straight to my squeeze page. I, I didn't go for the um, uh, the quiz trivia thing. I went like super bold. And I, <laughs> um, I, was, I was like fearful of the results of it just because, because my, my, um, genre is instrumental rock. Probably the biggest, the biggest guy in there is, is Steve Vai, and um, I basically my title of my ad is the next Steve Vai question mark, and um, I knew that that was um, sort of uh, risky because because like the world in such high regard, um, and then the the actual ad was if you're a fan of Steve Vai, then you need to hear new melodic. Virtuous and then a dash free track. Right. And um, my click through it has consistently been not between 0.2 and 0.3 mm -hmm. uh, on on the Facebook ads, and um, the the sort of reach circle is getting like bigger. And uh, within um, three and a half days, I've just hit 513 mailing list subscribers. That's so great. Uh, so uh, I've gone from nothing. I've only got one five thirteen. Oh, sorry, I think I did that. Yeah, I think I lost you there for a second. My apologies. Um, but yeah, so in okay. you said three days, uh, you've gone from one subscriber, which is yourself, to over five hundred <laughs> subscribers, and which is awesome. It's got to feel great. I mean, you, you know, suddenly you've got this this community of people that uh, that want your music and have connected with you in some way. And you literally have the beginnings of your tribe. And I don't know about you. I don't know about everyone listening, but that is the, for me to keep going as a musician, you know, I realized that like, I didn't, I didn't even really care. I'm going back a few years now before I even started all this internet marketing stuff, but I didn't really care if I made a 
million dollars or you know was famous or whatever i just needed a pipeline i needed some people there holding their hands up saying hey i want your music you know some people paying attention when i put out albums to keep going and before i learned all this stuff everything was quite static you know my i had no mailing list um to speak of uh, uh, nothing was growing uh, the fan mail had stopped you know and the nice thing about the strategy is you can scale it up to whatever level you want and i and i do think that uh, literally international stardom is, is possible using this strategy. Um, once you start scaling up to a certain degree, you're talking about money and uh, it's a slightly different picture. You're going to have a team and all kinds of things, but um, regardless, uh, and I'm talking if you're going for international stardom there, but re regardless of what happens and regardless if you scale this up to 200,000 subscribers or 2000 subscribers, you have this pipeline um, people, th this community, that uh, people that like your music, that are waiting for your music, they're communicating with you about it, and that I don't know. I don't know again how everyone feels, but that to me, um, that's what it's all about, and that's the sort of minimum uh, of what is required for me to want to continue being an artist. And this strategy um, kind of guarantees success. You know, again, it doesn't guarantee the scale, but it guarantees you really can't fail with this um, in terms of if your goal is to build that pipeline and build that audience and see it grow on a regular basis and, and get that interaction and ultimately sales. Now, um, I mean, is that, does that make sense? Is that fair to say? Is that sort of how it's feeling for you as you start to build this list? De definitely. It's, it's a bit sore, to be honest, but I was sort of um, not skeptical, but I was, well, Right, I wasn't skeptical because when when I sort of saw what you was you was um, talking about with with the different techniques is it's basically this whole scarcity and social proof and everything like that has basically been why women have been attracted to men for the last however million years. So I didn't I didn't think that there would be a problem with getting male enlist signups. But the thing I was like really shocked about is that um, I've had to, like just. I was, I've been up till fucking morning every 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 night since since I started just just replying to people on email on Facebook on Twitter and um, the call to action that I had in my um, in my initial email was was to to come post a, a comment on on Facebook and see if you uh, I said I, I don't care what you say I just just come post a comment or something along them lines and I was I, I I thought I'd maybe get a couple but. Seriously, I've just constantly been just all throughout the day. I'm constantly getting notifications that I've got new stuff on Facebook. I've got new emails. I've got everything like that, and that that's just well, it's sort of validating to me that I'm doing the, the sort of right thing. But at the same time, it's sort of it's it's just nice to see that people are sort of connecting and, and actually building a tribe rather than just being a statistic on a mailing list. And it sort of makes the call to action seem a bit more. Um, well, I, I didn't think as many people would take them. Right. But I, I've been really, really surprised. And then I have a blog post similar to the one that you mentioned about, you know, the uh, cheeseburgers in paradise one. Yeah. I've got a similar one to that, but it's basically just about why I play guitar. So basically, well, why I do what I do, why I'm still doing it. And uh, to cut a very long story very short, um, I stopped going to school when I was when I was about 14, and I used to go to school, but there was an abandoned music room, and I just, there was a classical guitar in there, and I just used to play it all day uh, for like nine hours at school, and then go home and play guitar. And I didn't actually get any qualifications from school, but um, but I was a pretty good guitar player by the end of it. So I sort of went into that, and and then again at the end, sort of connected them in, saying that it's all about them, the reason why I'm doing it, and everything like that. And it's just it's just that phenomenal feedback. I'm just completely blown away by it, and obviously, I just want to thank you for that. Awesome. That's that's so awesome to hear, um, and it you know sincerely makes it all sort of worthwhile. Um, and and you know to be blunt, I've heard it before. Like this stuff really does work when people take action, like you're taking, and and the nice thing looking at your page, like you get it. You put together a clear offer. It's not it's not um, there's nothing distracting there. You've got the, your big headline. Anyone can check it out again. What was it? Is, is it on? Is it my name is ace.net or my name is ace.com? 
The content rich site is com and the squeeze page is .net. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, because I'm looking at .net right now. Um, but it's clear, it's clean, it does the job, it speaks to people who are interested in, in guitar music and gets them on the list. And, um, and you, what are you paying per click right now? Um, 11 cents, but it was down at 9 uh, this morning. Right, that's phenomenal. It's, but overall, since you started the campaign three days ago, it's the average is 11 cents? Yeah, well, it started at around, I think the recommended was somewhere between 65 and 65 cents and $1.30, I think. But for after a few hours of, of it being on, it came straight, it was hovering at um, 15 for about 6,000, and it sort of hovered around the 10, 10 cents mark. Right. That's what one thing people really need to realize when they set these up is Facebook's going to give you this recommended bid range. And you, you do want to start in that range so that you can, you know, their algorithm will pick you up and start sending you some traffic. But if you get a good click-through rate, like I generally say you want to keep it up above one, 0.1, which isn't always easy. Um, but, you know, Ace has got it at 0 0.2, 0 0.3. Uh, he's got such a solid click-through rate that the um, price has dropped, as he's described, and you, you will see that. I mean, you'll always see that. I've never seen anything different, um, even when you don't get such a fantastic click-through rate. It still drops below what you're bidding in almost every instance, but it will start to climb if you don't maintain that click-through rate. Um, so that's where you need to refresh your ad and try, you know, when you see it start to drop, you need to um, add new images and change up the headlines, things like that to keep it refreshed. Because remember, you're advertising to the same pool of people. Um, and uh, so, so, but that's very, very common. And that is fantastically cheap. And what are you converting at right now? What's your squeeze page converting at? You had mentioned it the other day as being pretty outstanding. Uh, right now it's at 39.4. Yeah, that's phenomenal. And you're web, uh, A. Weber's web form uh, conversion stats? Yeah, that's right, yeah. That's so fantastic. That is so, so you're paying uh, roughly 25 cents a subscriber? Yeah, it's around that. Yeah, de yeah, definitely. Yeah, I'm trying to do the math there. So, uh, well, uh, what is uh, 0 0.25 times 100? Just want to make sure I'm not crazy. Yeah, so you'd be paying $25 to get a 100 people on your list. And if you only convert at 2% and you're selling, you know, a $15 album, you've gone and made a little bit of profit. And that's before, and 2% is, well, it's not low. Some markets converted only 2%, but it's lower than what I'm seeing as average. I'm seeing, you know, four, five, 6% as being average for people who sort of get this stuff. Um, and so if let's say you convert at 4% and you're just sell, and you're selling a $15 CD, you know, you suddenly bring it in $60 on 25 in advertising and you've done no house concerts, you've done no upsells, you've done no, you know nothing. And so that may or may not um bear out, but that's you, you can see the potential and it's really exciting and I'm really uh stoked and proud uh, of you for for doing as well as you are so quickly and I, I can tell you, uh, having dealt with now thousands of of people who bought my stuff, you, you, I do see it, certainly, but it's rare that people t take such quick action and to see you in just a few days go from literally buying the course to having uh, 500 people on your mailing list is really awesome. So well, well done. Um, you're not selling anything yet. Um, though, which is interesting. So you, you're booked to finish the album, but you're building your list and um, you won't be, when you reckon the soonest you'll be actually selling your album is? Well, basically I was setting up today a membership site, which uh, actually uh, Wishlist members got hacked this week. So they're, um, the servers are all over the place and like they're getting like four or four errors here and there and everything. But um, so it, I, I, I had the intention of building a membership site today, but I bought uh, Wishlist member this morning and didn't actually get it till this afternoon just be, just because of the, the the being hacked. So um, basically, I'm going to um, ha <clears throat> have this membership site where it's got um, stuff from the studio, like videos, everything like that. I'm going to offer because because it's such an early bird thing. I'm going to offer my album um, a, a week early, but for free to all all the subscribers of, of that 
just because um, they're actually going in before there is a product available, and it just it feels better on my um, conscience. I think if if they get this album as part of deal, and so that they'll be able to get that a week before it's actually released. Uh, so that that's where I'm at at the moment. I'm just like it, there's been so much stuff that I've had to do in this in this week, and I work a forty hour job as well. So it's like it's been a bit crazy and sleep's been well i've got an 18 month old daughter as well so she wakes me up at 5 30 in the morning so i've been surviving on two hours sleep but but the the stuff is really starting to to definitely connect with people and it, it's just monetizing that now and i feel like at the moment uh, a membership site is, is going to be the the best approach for that i, I can get i, I would talk guitar uh, for years and um in different sort of uh uh, I've taught privately, I've taught in schools, and I've, I've owned my own music school at one point. But um, I'm, I'm sticking guitar lessons up there, so there's, so there's content for them. I'll be doing two a week, so uh, so that they will have stuff now to be a part of that membership site. They'll be getting constant lessons, and uh, when I'm in the studio, I'll be obviously recording things for them. So, so yeah, that's just the approach I'm going with monetizing it at the moment. I'm sorry, I, I wanted to make sure I understood. So you're creating the membership site. Are you charging for the membership site? Yeah, correct, yeah. Gotcha. And what do you char- What do you plan to charge? Well, I was thinking of, you know, the crazy offer thing. On one of the, the phone calls, it might have even been the, the Wishlist member one, where they said it's like um, whatever a month or whatever for the year. I want to charge for the year just so time people in for the year. And just an introductory offer, I'm maybe charging... 30, 30 for the year but I'm going to say that, um, that and, and actually obviously go on this with, with my in future is it's either $20 a month or 30 for a year right yeah I think that's a great way to go I, I've had a lot of people uh, and that's a smart price option there um, that's really brilliant um, uh, I think that when you I don't know about you, but when I get hit, even if it's four dollars a month, seeing that monthly bill come in, it just nags at me and I feel compelled to cancel, particularly if I don't log in uh, and check something out over the course of a month. And so but but getting me to part with thirty dollars over the year, that's the price resistance is the same. I'm going to object to thirty dollars uh, to the same degree that I'm going to object to four dollars. They're not going to affect me either way you know i'm not going to be like four bucks okay but 30 bucks whoa you know that's that's not going to scare me so um so there's no additional resistance for most people there might be for a, a few but that monthly nag that says uh um you know man you're paying for this thing and you're not using it and the reality is most people won't you know most people will forget to log in and forget to engage but at some point during the year if they just log in and download some music even once or twice then when that next bill comes around they'll feel like they're getting their money's worth and um there's nothing better than imagine having a thousand people on that uh you know paying you have thirty dollars a year. You, you would theoretically, you know, obviously some will drop off, but you theoretically have thirty thousand dollars guaranteed each year, and that will be um, that. That is a phenomenal place to be in for an independent artist. And you know, we're just getting started. You know, there's additional ways to monetize your career. So, um, and obviously you can you can raise that up from a thousand quite easily. So that's that's really smart, and uh, that's been a debate in the past: is should I go monthly or uh, these micro payments, or should I go annual? And I personally like the annual. So I, I think you're really on the right track. That's really great. When do you plan on launching the membership site? Well, basically, that is is going to be my first um, call to action email. So it's it's going to be seven days after the subscribe. So. Uh, this weekend, I'm going to be putting it all together and recording the, the first set of lessons. So uh, Monday or Tuesday at the latest is when the first set of emails with the 72-hour call to action uh, is going out. Okay, great. Um, well, just keep doing what you're doing or what it sounds like you're doing in terms of communicating with, with folks. That's really key here. You know, we focus on the marketing and if we're being honest, marketing is in effect manipulation. You know, you're what you want them to do. Now, just about everything is manipulation out there in the world, uh, if, if we're being honest. Um, but at the end of the day, 
the goal is to feel good about it because what we're what we're manipulating people to do is to engage with a product that we really really care about and that we think will enhance their lives uh, and, and and their musical experience in some way. So um, I think that uh, where it all really feels great and good and where uh, you're making I don't know your little corner of the world a better place is by um, carving out authentic relationships. And it's cool to hear that you are spending so much time communicating with people because a lot of people don't want to do that. They flake. They don't respond to emails. Um, I really try to pride myself on responding to everything and doing so quite, you know, quickly. And, and uh, I think it makes a big difference when people realize that you're a real person who really gives a crap about their their product obviously in this case your music um and so keep doing that and keep people engaged and really you know you touched on it when you said that it the, the principles are kind of similar to the principles of male female interactions and human relationships and they absolutely are and it, it's the same basic process you are building relationships and if you treat people well and you authentically bond with people in in your follow-up communication then they're going to be uh much more predisposed to buy from you. So keep doing that as you prepare for your release. And, um, you know, fingers crossed, I think you should do really well. I'm, I definitely want you to follow up and, you know, let us know how you sell from, from this list. And given that you're at 503 days, what did you say? Uh, when did you say you were going to launch? This weekend? Or was, did you say in seven days? I'm forgetting. Uh, Monday. It will be Monday. Okay, so just a few more days. But you may be able to double your list in that time. So, um, you know, you might be looking at, at a nice start to uh hopefully a financially <laughs> secure career so very encouraging to see if you want to check out uh ace's stuff his name again is ace connell and you can um download one of his songs for free and check out what he's doing at um my name is ace.net so uh, anything else you want to say uh before we move on to the remaining uh questions one one last thing that i, I did do that i was i was meaning to bring up was before I actually started this course was was when I recorded the track, and obviously I've I've had a little bit of marketing experience in in the past with music, somewhat not to this degree, um, just by being in bands and just seeing what works. I, I've never had a formula put to it, but um, I consciously made the first recording um, in a, a similar sort of pastiche, I suppose, of, of the two biggest um, players out there, Joe Satriani and Steve Vai. It, it's, it's, it's not in any way like any of their songs. It, it's just got that vibe of, of a sort of blend between them two because I thought like when people are first hearing me, it's important to have something like a reference point. And that's why with my Facebook ad, I said, oh, the next Steve Vai or whatever, because it would tap into just what they already love with with Steve Vai and then obviously I'm, my my music is going to be similar to that but it's it's not going to be as similar and I was I was risky that people would just say oh you're just copying you're just copying um even though it's different like but I've probably had two oh, no, maybe 150 160 comments and 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 feedback and emails and facebook messages and posts off pe off different people and i think one or maybe two have said uh yeah you need to find your own voices it's a very small percentage of people so i think that maybe it obviously depends on your genre but it may be for single that people are giving away is is to make it more similar to to uh, sort of a bridge between yourself and the artist and sort of tag in for the audience possibly and that's just something to myself sort of thing but it, it, it certainly helped for me so that a lot of people comment on that in a positive way so uh, it might be something that better different genres right no that that makes a lot of sense to really think about what that offer is and making make to and, and to make sure that you are um I don't know, offering something that really is going to set these prospects up to, um, well, one, deliver exactly what it is that they are currently interested in. You know, you're not needing to reinvent the wheel in terms of uh, educating them to some musical taste that they didn't even know they had. Um, but also, I, I think the more you can um, distill or niche out your marketing and the message and your emails and in your 
um, blog posts and uh, the, the better you're going to do because you're walking people down one track and people especially artists can do have a tendency to become a bit um, schizophrenic with this stuff and um, and really kind of not match the, the message to the market and uh, it sounds like that's what you're saying that yeah definitely definitely I think I mean, I've been like that in previous times where you just have a fear of, of people saying, oh, you're not original, you're not this, you're not that. And it's like, nothing's original, really, like in this day and age. So it's, I'm like, but I'm not saying just completely rip it off in, in the slightest, but just sort of just have hints towards the, the people that people are already fans of. And I mean, my Facebook targeting at the moment is just going towards people who are fans of Steve Fly. Right. So it's really just tapping into that sort of um, that love that they already have and just bringing my own spin on it. Right, right. Yeah, I'm looking at your uh, Facebook page as you're talking and uh, you know, it's just full of comments. Uh, got your free MP3, excellent track. Cannot wait for the album. Just got your track beyond. Very nice. Dude, reminds me more of Tony. Um, I don't actually know how to say his last name, but McAlpine. Um, sweet. Uh, better. Uh, thanks for the free song. Love it. Uh, thank you for the free song. I love it, bro. Can't wait for the album, you know, and, and the list goes on. So really, really cool. Great to see. And again, well, you know, well done. So we'll, ha we'll have you back when you uh, have actually launched your membership site. And, and it's going to be cool to see because this, this comes up a lot. And artists are unsure, could they start making money um, right away? Um, and here's here's a great approach to doing that as opposed to waiting until the album's done. Um, and uh, I think this is a great approach to do it. And it sounds like you really have your head screwed on uh, tight and you've got a good feel for this stuff. So um, well done. And, and thanks for joining us on the call and sharing your story. It's been my pleasure, John. I'll speak to you soon. Sounds good. Cheers. Bye-bye. All right. So again, that was Ace Connell, and you can check out his music at mynameisace.com. Now, I don't want to um, get too much into Ace's personal life and reveal too many of the details, but I, I do know that um, Ace suffered uh, some uh, a personal loss in his life uh, shortly after this call, and so I think things have been in a bit of a holding pattern for Ace over the last um, month or two. So um, my sincere um, uh, prayers and thoughts and um, uh uh, sincere condolences go out to Ace uh, if, if you do get a chance to listen to this. So uh, hang in there, and we'll see you again hopefully soon in the Insider Circle. Uh, and uh, we'll, uh, I'm expecting some big things for your album launch when uh, you finally do get that uh, album out on the market. So um, once again, uh, you know, uh, thanks Ace for uh, taking the time to join us on that call and letting us share it with uh, the broader music marketing manifesto uh, listening base. Um, Steve, what were your impressions listening to that uh, call and everything that Ace had to say? That's a, it's a really great story. Um, you know, it's I, I kind of I really understand how he feels. You know, you're getting to a certain point uh, in your life. You know, you and I are both in our 30s where you kind of feel like, you know, you're going to have to do something soon if you're going to do it. And he took a chance and he, he went out and he, he found your material and he put it to work. And um, I I. You know, I kind of got uh, a bit of a chill just listening to the way that he explained the feeling of just, you know, having that interaction with the fan base again. You know, having people actually talk about your stuff like it's relevant and, instead of something that was in the past or, you know, uh, something that you used to do. You know what I mean? Sure. Um, I think that's really great. You know, I was stunned to hear his conversion rate on his, uh, his squeeze page there. What did he say? 89%? Is that what he said? 82? Uh, something like that? I didn't think it was actually that high. I thought it was about thirty-five percent, if memory serves. Yeah, yeah. You know, I must have I, I must have heard it wrong. When I heard that, but he's got, he's got an extraordinarily high conversion rate, and um, it's just awesome to hear that overnight, practically overnight, like that. He picks up a course, puts everything into action the way that he should, and he's got five hundred subscribers right off the bat. That's awesome. Sure, sure, and and you know they, we do receive a lot of um, emails and various um, testimonials that come in. And if you're ever curious about the stuff and what kind of experience real artists are having with all this stuff, you can go to musicmarketingmanifesto.com and click on the testimonials tab. That's just actually a small sampling of the stuff that comes in when uh, Steve or I can remember to ask folks to let us publish it. Um, but it is again, it really is touching. I know Music Marketing Manifesto has has really become a, a 
business for me and it's a and it's a focus point of my life but i don't do it just for the money i've been i I run several online businesses and music marketing manifesto isn't the most profitable of them uh, and it takes about uh, a thousand percent more time from my day than anything else that i do but i do it because i really dig it and uh anyone who's ever um, sent in an email has probably talked to steve as well steve's a big part of that business um and you know we really do do our best to take care of folks and really do give a crap. Uh, and so it means a lot to get these testimonials and hear from folks that are seeing results. Um, that was, uh, these principles, you know, really did sort of change my life and my career. And I know Steve, that's, that's how Steve and I met. This is all stuff that Steve was doing and we really connected on, on that front before he began uh, sort of working with me here at music marketing manifesto. But, uh, it, it's awesome to hear you can, you guys can check that out. And, um, uh, I just really can't vouch for these strategies enough. You know, I, I, I'm not some guy who invented all this stuff. This, the, the basic principles here have been around for well over a hundred years. We're just, um, sort of co-opting these strategies and, and, um, refining them so that musicians can use them and benefit from them. And that's, um, again, time and time again, we're seeing. So once again, thanks, Ace, for sharing that information with us. I, re- I really uh, loved hearing your story. And again, I'm, I'm really excited to see what ultimately happens when uh, your record comes out. Um, I think we're, we're pretty close to being ready to wrap up there, Steve. Um, one of the things that we like to do is kind of end off with sort of a pick of the week. Just anything that uh, we've come across that's on our mind that we think is worth sort of sharing. Uh, I said pick of the week, but we don't even do these podcasts every week. We seem to do them about once a month on average. Uh, but we'll call them pick of the, pick of the month then. Uh, but uh, I know that there was something that you were telling me about, um, an article that you had come across. What, what's your pick of the week? Uh, my pick of the week is an article on HypeBot.com, and it was written by a gentleman named Rick. I'm sorry, Nick Robertson, uh, titled "20 Tips for a Kick-Ass Musician's Facebook Page." Um, I thought it was really good. I mean, he's got you know a long list here. He's got about 20 different things that you can do. Some of it's very straightforward. Some of it's very obvious stuff. There were a couple in here, and just to give you an example, uh, number 10 on his list was he listed um, quotes and pictures make a great team. You know, you post up your favorite lyrics along with a relevant picture to tell your fans a powerful story and bring them deeper into your world. And, you know, this is something I, I really struggle with social media. I'm not – I have a hard time caring, <laughs> to be honest. So when it comes to coming up with ideas, you know, another thing he lists on here is you want to make sure you post every day. And for me, it's tough to come up with things to post about. Um and I never even thought about the angle of, you know, coming up with some of your own song lyrics, throwing them up there, and then posting a picture that kind of tells that story as well. Uh, and I think that would really encourage a lot of interaction with people, especially if you've got fans that, that dig a certain tune and they know it by heart and they know exactly which lyric you posted up there and they appreciate the picture. It might start some conversation and even even get you some new attention, some new eyeballs. Um, but yeah, thing to do here number one that he's listed on his list which i think is really really important for your facebook page is to to customize it with a uh custom url uh something short and concise and memorable so that people can easily find you on facebook uh and that's my pick of the week that was the article on hypebot by nick robertson that's tips kick-ass musicians facebook page uh john what did you come up with your pick for the week uh, well, you know, I suppose what's on my mind is something that uh, it's the subject matter for a blog post I'm actually currently working on, and it may very well be the case that I publish that blog post before this podcast episode goes out. Um, but it's Facebook lookalike audiences, something I've been playing with. Basically, uh, if you haven't already discovered it, pay- Facebook rolled out something called the Power Editor a few months ago, and it's something that um, if you've only played around with Facebook or you don't do a lot of advertising, you probably haven't come across, but it's basically an advanced ad editor that can only be used with a Chrome browser. Why they've done it that way, I have no idea. It seems quite odd to me, but you have to install Chrome in order to use it. Um, very easy to install once you've got a Power Editor up and running. You can do a lot with what are called custom audiences and so you can go and take you can download your customer list let's say people who bought your album and hopefully you are uh, segmenting your list so you've got a customer list as well as just a general fan list you take that customer list upload it into uh, uh, facebook's power editor uh, and create a custom audience and then create click a little button and create a look-alike audience and what facebook does is they sort of look for commonalities within the um profiles of those people that you've uploaded you know they go and find corresponding accounts to each one of those email addresses and then they look for commonalities and determine um 
sort of a demographic profile for your average user, and then they go and scan their billion plus users for people who uh, match the same demographic profiles, and you can then increase your reach and create essentially a clone audience and advertise just to those people. So uh, it offers a lot of really precise targeting. And I know I see this a lot with musicians when we get into targeting, they're like, well, I don't really even know what kind of music I make. I don't know who's going to like it. I don't know what, you know, demographic information defines my uh, particular or my potential fans. And so this is a great way for people who don't really know that information to uh, click a few buttons and then create a clone audience uh, and expand their reach as a result. And I, I really like that. That's Facebook lookalike audiences. And again, most likely by the time you're listening to this, that will be up on, on the site as a fairly recent blog post at musicmarketingmanifesto.com. So that's kind of my pick of the week. Um, before we um, do sign off, I think you dropped out a little bit there where you were giving credit to the author and letting people know where they could find that article you were talking about. You want to run that um, by for the folks one more time? Absolutely. That was an article on hypebot.com. That's H-Y-P-E-B-O-T.com. And the the article, again, was called 20 Tips for a Kick-Ass Musician's Facebook Page by Nick Robertson. Uh, pretty good stuff in there. Uh, very useful information. I would definitely check it out. Great. Well, again, um, thanks, everyone, for listening. Uh, this is John Ojaka and Steve Rogers. He works with me at musicmarketingmanifesto.com. He has uh, uh, joined us on the call, and I really appreciate you taking the time, Steve. And uh, if you ever uh, have sent in an email, then there's a good chance that you've already spoken with Steve. Um, we really do appreciate you guys. Uh, if you ever have any questions or need any help, you can always uh, reach one of us um, at support at musicmarketingmanifesto.com. And as we said at the beginning of this call, if you uh, like the information that you're hearing during this podcast and would like to get more info like it, you can go to musicmarketingmanifesto.com and sign up for your free copy of the Music Marketing Blueprint. Um, any final words, Steve, before we sign off? No, no, no. I'm definitely going to check out uh, your pick of the week. It would give me a good excuse to start using Google Chrome. It sounds really cool. Um, definitely awesome to be back on the line with you, man. It's been a while since we spoke. Yeah, we gotta we gotta kick these things off. And speaking of kicking it off, we gotta get a music marketing manifesto theme song going. One of these days, I'm gonna hold a little concert. So if anybody's got a little jingle for us, by all means, send it in to support at musicmarketingmanifesto.com. We need a we need a we need an opening theme song and a closing theme song. So you know, we can sound very slick and pro. I think that would be nice. <laughs> Yeah, sounds good. Been to have a jingle contest. Yeah, there we go. All right. Well, thanks everyone for listening. Again, this is John Ojaka. And this is Steve Rogers. And you're listening to the Music Marketing Manifesto podcast. Thanks and take care. <laughs>